Welcome to Writing the Wrong Way. This is a podcast for serious writers who want to develop their skills in artistry and stand out in a crowded industry by taking intelligent, creative risks. I'm your host, Jonathan Ball. I hold a PhD in literature. I'm the author of uh, numerous books, and I take a very analytical approach to art making, emphasizing both efficiency and experimentation. Today, I want to try something different. I'm going to read you a short story. So, uh, this is a short story from my forthcoming uh, collection of short stories. Now, that's not going to get published until fall 2020, but I'm going to give you a sneak peek about it right now. Um, and if you want to read this story as opposed to hearing me read it, um, go to jonathanball.com slash 225. So, jonathanball.com slash 25, uh, the numerals 25. Uh, that'll take you to a place where you can you know, sign up uh, to my uh, newsletter where every week I will email you the best thing I wrote that week, a single best page. So it's not too much reading, it's just one page uh, of the best work that I produced that week. And then also uh, I'll tell you a little bit about uh, what, I, what went into that work. So you'll get a bit of a news update as to what I'm doing in the week, which I think is a nice little behind the scenes uh, because so often as writers, you know, we're working on something, uh, you know, right now, but then the reader, you know, knows the thing. Like the newest thing to the reader is the thing you worked on ten years ago. <laughs> you know, the newest thing to the um, writer is what they're doing this week. And so, to me, that newsletter is just a nice little thing where you can get a bit of a sneak peek on what I'm actually doing in a week, um, as opposed to maybe what it looks like I'm doing. You know, from the divorce of being, you know. Just a normal kind of reader reading things um, that are coming out in a journal or in book form or, or even on a website like this. Like even this thing uh, has a bit of a delay on it. Uh, the other th- thing that, of course, again, I email everybody every week is the single best page I wrote. But then below that, uh, I kind of explain something about uh, how I wrote that page. So sometimes it's a bit of a writing tip or technique. You know, here's the thing that I'm doing on the page that you may not notice, but something you can try in your own writing other times it's just like an interesting weird little fact or something like here's a book i read recently uh, or some interesting piece of art i saw that kind of inspired this or where i got this idea say uh, and other times um it's just you know some sort of basic productivity uh, you know quote unquote hack you know i hate when people say these hacks but like you know some sort of productivity thing like oh here's a trick uh, that you can use in editing here's a neat little tip in terms of you know how i wrote this sentence and here's like a thing that works a lot uh, to just you know get sentences written or whatever it is so um go to jonathanwell.com slash 25 uh, two five, and that'll take you to where you can sign up to my newsletter you can get my best page every week but then also i'll send you um, this uh, short story. Anyway, so I'll send it to you if you haven't already seen it or if you want it in print form, um, a nice little kind of PDF version of it. Now, all that said, I'm going to read your short story. It's called As We All Should Lie. And the story was originally published in uh, an in-flight magazine, uh, believe it or not, As We All Should Lie. Whatever happened took place in the night. When I awoke, when we all awoke, our backyards, once separated by thin fences, stood a full block apart, divided by a large, empty lot and two thin streets. I first saw this new block that had sprung from the ether when I went out to feed Einstein, stupidest of dogs. 
invisible hands that reshaped the land had met in my backyard, just inside the fence. When they pulled apart to separate my once neighbor Sarah from me, they dragged the once common fence along with her. And from my now fenceless backyard, the dog had fled. As though from so tremendous a force, there could be some banal escape. I stepped out into the impossible street that ran where Sarah's yard had once lain. It supported me like a real street would. Already there were potholes. A car's horn jarred me back into the house. In the kitchen, I stared into an empty cup. Then the doorbell rang. Sarah, from across the new block. She told me she'd driven around it rather than walk across. Then madness, a flood of people, conferences on back lawns, across remaining fences, talk, endless talk. At the end of the day, at the end of it all, we still knew nothing, know nothing. City officials grumbled about whose problem this was, this impossible block. While they argued, they sent forth surveyors, then fired them and sent forth more. When the second team came back with the same findings for which the first was fired, a chill settled into the city that even the record summer heat could not drive out. The surveyors agreed that although this new block did take up space, it nevertheless did not alter the physical landscape outside of its immediate area. The block appeared between 3rd Street and 4th Street, below 16th Avenue and above 15th Avenue, but these streets stood unmoved. Nothing had been changed in the surrounding landscape, but somehow the block had been added, the empty block and its new framing streets, which connected to the aforementioned avenues, as if having been there always. And yet the block did not change the world around it. The streets remained straight, did not bulge. There was just more in the city now, more between those streets than before. There was more, and the more could be measured, static and unchanging, abiding by the physical laws of this universe, although its appearance and persistence stood in plain refutation of those laws. A bubble, a rectangular, block-shaped bubble, had erupted in the fabric of space, and more of the world had arisen to fill it, without otherwise disturbing the surface of the until now ordinary world. Dazed and panicked, City Hall responded with insane disavowal in true bureaucratic form. It named the new streets 3A and 4A and announced that... <coughs> Dazed and panicked, City Hall responded with insane disavowal in true bureaucratic form. It named the new streets 3A and 4A and announced that, pending negative results of a test for radiation at the site, its real estate would be zoned residentially in accordance with the surrounding area and auctioned off. Almost immediately, a fierce bidding war ensued, driving the property value of the now-named Block A up beyond meaning. While developers fought and Calgary rushed to introduce a complex array of senseless bylaws, in a strange turn, the property value of everything surrounding Block A plummeted. Nobody wanted to live near this philosophical disaster. Everyone else sold, most to speculators who intended to hold the property while staying far away from their new homes. Only I remained after the first night. The others in the neighborhood stayed with friends, family, lovers, or in hotels until their sales went through. Sarah moved back in with her ex-husband. I stayed in case Einstein returned and every morning stepped out back into the nightmare. Before she left, Sarah begged me to come with her. She knew that I had no one, 
said that David wouldn't mind. Of course he would have, but it didn't matter. I had to stay. Soon, crowds appeared. Tourists, first from across the city, but then from across the globe. As Block A became international news, a steady stream of travelers arrived, suitcases bursting with excitement. First, they circled the block. Then, after they built up enough courage, stepped into the heart of its mystery. Then nothing. Despite its extraordinary origins, Block A disappointed. A browning field of grass between two thin strips of pockmarked pavement. The crowds dwindled, but interest in the block renewed when a mad development firm succeeded in securing the land rights. They brought in an avant-garde architect to design the new houses, which spilled over and twisted around one another, often sharing walls, almost sharing rooms, and some sneaking perversion of suburbia that might have seemed natural in a parallel universe. All these houses depressed the property values of the surrounding homes even further. They themselves demanded incredible prices. For a while then, Block A became home to wealthy eccentrics who were happy enough living there, although discouraged each morning to find they had not been whisked away by aliens or into an interdimensional portal during the night. In the middle of it all, my modest bungalow ruining the view. Sarah started calling. She never visited. She began reminiscing about the years we'd known each other, as if talking to a friend at my funeral. Then she started confessing secrets to me, as if I were a nameless listener on a helpline. Then she called to say I scared her, and she never called again. People speculated on the cause of the block's appearance, the most popular conspiracy theories involving extraterrestrials or terrorists. A gaggle of scientists secured research grants to study the area, but learned nothing. Block A became a hot academic topic, but hundreds of doctoral theses and journal, article leaders, journal articles later, the world was no closer to any sensible answer to its quiet but unceasing question. It became apparent that Block A intended to neither yield its mysteries nor produce new ones. Fascination dimmed and then diminished. The eccentrics moved away and let their twisted mansions rot. Their block aid left an indelible mark upon the planet's skin and did nothing to aggravate the wound. The world went on, dragging block A with it, assimilated into a universe that had refused its possibility but had not denied a century. As for me, I wrote this down, but it was difficult and took many years, and yet so much is missing, the account so short, unremarkable, unrevealing. How is it that impossible things can appear spit blank stares into our faces, and remain mute. Since we cannot look away, after some initial panic, we make a show of ignoring them. But I refuse to ignore this. I no longer sleep at night, surrounded by empty houses, with this chaos at the window, at the foot of my bed. I no longer sleep, I just pretend. I lie awake, as we all should lie, and await the coming of Block B.